Psalms 111, verse 10. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. All they that observe them have good understanding, and His praise endures forever. Praise the Lord because He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Who can express the noble acts of the Lord or show forth all His praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment and do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor of Thy people. Visit me with Thy salvation, that I may see the prosperity of Thy chosen and rejoice in the, people, in the joy of the people and glory with Thine inheritance. Since the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and all those that observe the Ten Commandments have good understanding, we are going to view the first commandment. Exodus 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. It starts off by acknowledgement, having a knowledge of who God is and His attributes, His properties, who He is. And it also contains an internal matter and a heart issue. This is not directly dealing with your actions. The second commandment deals with that. The first one, you must know God and acknowledge Him to be God. It contains some implications in what you do. Do not be careless or ignorant. Whether you are praying or what you are dwelling on, your thinking or what you're doing, it's when your heart and life is in agreement with God. And we are going to look at some ways on how God has handled this commandment and enforced it. In Exodus chapter 32, verses 1-6, to we read, But when the people saw that Moses tarried long before he came down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together against Aaron and told him, Up, make us gods to go before us. For of this Moses, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Pluck off the earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them to me. Then all the people plucked from themselves the golden earrings which were in their ears, and they brought them to Aaron, who took them at their hands and fashioned it with a tool, and made it a golden calf. 
And then they said, These be our gods, O Israel, which brought us out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he made an altar before it and proclaimed to them, Tomorrow shall be the holy day of the Lord. So they rose up the next day in the morning and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now Moses had been going up on the mountain and speaking with God. And he had been at this for a while. And the Israelites had witnessed everything that happened to the pharaohs, had been a part of it, had had been a part of this grand, grand showing of power. And they were they were very quick to abandon the God that saved them. And they rose up against Aaron and they told him to do this. And Aaron showed a stroke of brilliance and told them, give me all of your gold earrings. Well, they they were slaves in Egypt. They didn't have a terrible lot, but they had they had their treasures. And Aaron pretty much said, give me all of your treasures, in essence is what they said. And instead of turning them away from their sin, thinking that they would have desired their gold and their silver... They were willing to pay any cost. The Israelites were willing to give anything to satisfy their sin. Which is incredible. They they had a God that chose them. They had a God that saved them. That redeemed them. And in a very short time, they turned his back onto him. Had the Israelites applied their hearts to the Word of God, to the testimony, to the witness of God, they would have known God and remembered that he was a jealous God, that he would not share his glory or worship with something else. And in verse 27 of chapter 32, we have the punishment. And Moses told the Levites, he had gathered the Levites with him, the priests, And Moses told them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man a sword by his side, go to and fro, from gate to gate, throughout the multitude, and slave every man, his brother, his companion, his neighbor. These these were not the warrior tribes that were being handpicked to carry out this judgment. These were the Levites. They were the priests. The ones who would go were the only ones who could go into the tabernacle eventually. And this was their job. This was the judgment. This was the punishment. 
God will not share His glory or worship with anything. And after all the Israelites had seen, all they were a part of, where did this evil come from? Where did this desire even begin? In the beginning, when Adam rebelled against God, everyone was punished and brought into sin and misery. Mark 7, verse 23. All of these evil things come from within and defile a man. Then we move on to another story in Numbers, chapter 11, verse 1. When the people became murmurers, complainers, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. Therefore His wrath was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and consumed the utmost part of them. The ark... The ark had been built. The ark was traveling before Israel. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day. And the Israelites were murmuring, were complaining about the way the God, their God was treating them. And fire of the Lord consumed them. And burnt them. Although the fear of the although the word of God forbids wickedness, the heart becomes weary of the holiness of God and tries to hide its sin by masking complaints with insincere questions, becomes stubborn concerning the judgments of God, and provokes the wrath of the Lord. Although we don't know what the complaints of the Israelites were, considering how the Lord was testing them, was trying them, I might be gracious enough and to say that the questions they were asking weren't uncalled for. But it is very easy for us to turn a complaint into an insincere question. And the Israelites were certainly doing that. They were complaining about God's will on how God was treating His people. And had the Israelites considered how Moses pleaded on their behalf, uh, you you don't see the Israelites taking responsibility for themselves. You see Moses pleading with God, speaking with God. It's it's Moses who is the one who is begging for their souls. And had the Israelites taken responsibility of themselves, they would have been pleading for their own soul. What must people confess their sins to the Lord? Psalms 
Then I acknowledged my sin unto thee, neither hid my iniquity, for I thought, I will confess against myself my wickedness unto the Lord, and thou forgave the punishment of my sin. Now we move on to another story. Numbers 16. This one is a longer story, so I'm reading specific verses 2 and 3, 5, 19 to 21, 28 to 32. And they rose up against Moses, Korah, and with certain sons of the children of Israel, 250 captains of the assembly, famous in the congregation, and men of renown who gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you lift yourselves up above the congregation of the Lord? And Moses spoke to Korah and unto all the company, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will show who is His and who is holy, and who ought to approach near unto him, and whom he has chosen, he will cause to come near to him. (coughs) And then Korah gathered together all the multitude against them at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and then the glory of the Lord appeared unto all of the congregation. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them at once. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them by my own hand. If these men die a common death, or if they are visited after the visitation of all men, the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord does a strange thing, and the earth opens her mouth and swallows them up with all they have, and they go down into the pit, then you shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And as soon as he had made an end of speaking all the words, even the ground went under, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up with their families and all of the men that were with Korah and all their goods." These were particular men of Israel, very specific, men of renown, famous. They they led a blameless life. They did what they were told. They did what was right. And these men were coming against Moses, against Aaron, because God only said they could. Those were the only men that could go into the tabernacle that could give offerings on the behalf of the people. And Korah and this multitude of people couldn't understand why because everyone was holy. Everyone was righteous. Surely, a holy man, a righteous man, can do what he wishes. And this, um, throughout Numbers, 
This is specifically a time where Moses is very angry. And rightfully so. God is the one who said that only Aaron could do this. Only Levites could do this. There are very specific rules that all of Israel had been a part of through the instructions of creating the ark, through the instructions of the tabernacle, how they traveled with the ark going in front of them. There were all of these rules that God handed down. And then the righteous men, the leaders, the famous ones, got angry, said, why? And these these men had a foreign idea of what holiness is. Had their hearts been right with God, they would have been praising God that He works through men, that He provides the remission of sins. They were putting their trust and their confidence in their blameless life, their prayers, their repentance, their offerings. And they weren't putting their trust and confidence in the God that provides forgiveness, in the God that hears prayers. And it can be very easy for people to fall into that trap. We seek assurances when we do something that we believe to be right, we expect an assurance of a reward in return. And when we don't get what we want, we start questioning, oh, well, I, I may not have done what was right. I, I may have done what was wrong because I, I didn't get what I wanted. And the end result, the consequence isn't ours. The reward isn't ours. Our duty is to do what is right. And the end result is the Lord's. And these these men had fallen into an unfortunate trap that all too often most do. We pray our prayer to God and expect to get what we want. Our trust, our confidence, our fear, our love, our obedience, servitude, that can be misplaced at times. Instead of looking towards our own actions for holiness, What should we do? Cast ourselves at the feet of the Lord and understand that there is no way to stand before Him. Only by and through the righteousness of another can the soul be saved. Isaiah 44.22 I have put away thy transgressions like a cloud, and thy sins as a mist. Turn to me, for I have redeemed thee.
I wanted to focus on the fear of the Lord as a whole. I do not want to focus on the fear of the Lord. Fear by itself as an isolated word means scared reverent. Always has, it always will. The phrase, the fear of the Lord, is not a limited phrase. It is not limiting. It is an all-encompassing phrase. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. All those that obey them have good understanding. It is a continuing sentence. It is continuing the train of thought into the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments can be summed as this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It is an all-encompassing statement. Yes, you should be scared reverently before God. The Canaanites that were around the Israelites, the Amorites, the Edomites, they were around Israel and they saw the God of Israel in action and they were afraid. They feared the Lord. But they did not have the fear of the Lord and obey Him. They were scared, and rightfully so. They uprooted one of the most powerful nations that have been on this earth. But they didn't have a knowledge of God. They only saw the testimony. They did not acknowledge God as God in all His ways, in all His things. And while I was working on the fear of the Lord and the wrath of God, um, Jehovah's Witness came calling. My wife scared them away. Perhaps not. Maybe they're just running late. But... There, there are people who do not confess Christ as God. The same fear of the Lord, knowing God and acknowledging God, to not confess Christ as God provokes the wrath of the Lord and is worthy of the same punishment. And it's an amazing thing when all of those who do not believe Christ is the Son of God, all of those are under this punishment. There's, There's no middle road. There's no forgiveness in this way, in this path. And since it's an all-encompassing statement to deny Christ what is His property, what is His attribute, something that is wholly His, is not acknowledging God, is not having a clear knowledge of God, 
and people have been consumed for less. I mean, that this is the first commandment, to know God and to acknowledge Him. And your understanding of words matter. Words have meaning and they matter. And we are going to move into the New Testament to understand why we call Christ as God. We we are discussing Christ the Mediator and speaking on why we call Christ God would have enforced what we were learning. John chapter 1 verse 14 there verses 1 and 14 In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we saw the glory thereof as the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. In the beginning, God, God created by speaking. It was the Word of God that created. And through the, the Word of God, all things were created. Genesis 1, 3. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Just another example of Christ being there in the beginning. The Word of God. Just another example of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20, verse 28. And then Thomas answered and said to Christ, Thou art my Lord and my God. This is right after his resurrection. He he didn't know who Christ if Christ was a spirit, physical being, didn't know if he was real. And Thomas told Christ that thou art my Lord and my God. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 For in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All of them. All of all of the attributes, all of the properties, everything that is God, the Father's, is Christ, the Son. Philippians 2, verse 10. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, both of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Christ Jesus is Lord unto the glory of God the Father. 
Titus 2.13 Looking for that blessed hope and appearing of that glory of the mighty God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. All of these verses are giving Christ glory and worship. Something that God does not share. God has, as we've seen, earthquake, fire, sword. And all of those were punishments, were judgments, because the Israelites had given glory and worship good-going churchmen giving glory and worship to something other than God. And in the New Testament, we have all of these scriptures confessing of Christ and giving Christ glory, giving Christ worship. For anyone to call Christ other than God is an incredible folly that's that it is fortunate that God the Father has patience that he suffers long for people for sinners especially the good-going church people, the ones who are still learning God, who have an idea of who God is and are continuing to learn more, that are not content with baby food, that... The Lord loves them and has patience with them as a parent, training them in the ways of righteousness. Why should a person believe in Christ? Because there is no other name by which man can be saved. John 3.18 He that believes in Christ is not condemned, but he that does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. When a person confesses Christ as God, if, just go with me, if it wasn't right, There is an awful lot at stake. Because there are a ton of other ways that people say is right. And a million more think that everyone else is just as right as them. But when someone confesses Christ as God and Lord, that is a singular path. There is no left, there is no right. It is all or nothing. That's 
why to a Christian Christ is all of their hope because there is no other. That there is remission of sins in the Son. This is where Christians make their stand. And it should be scary to a degree. Because we we have a father who either has hard hands or soft hands. And he teaches us appropriately. Some people learn by a caring hug and other people need a strong smack. But that's that's great. I I, I couldn't learn either way. I, I couldn't learn any other way. Because Christ is teaching me the way I learn. Christ teaches others the way they learn. That's great. To to have a father that can individualize every child rather than grouping every child. The school system doesn't quite act like that anymore. They they call it the shotgun effect. They teach in a way that will get the most amount of kids and sacrifices some kids. Just like a shotgun spread. And that's not the way our God works. That's not the way our Father works. And while we're considering Christ and the fear of the Lord, there's something that I don't appreciate much. And it's because a... Christ being righteous, the fear of the Lord is difficult for me to understand when it comes to Him. Perfect man has nothing to fear. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, I have a better understanding of why the fear of the Lord was in Christ. Throughout throughout Christ's life on earth, he he faced he faced a lot of trials, temptations, hardships that He had no right to. And in verse two, chapter eleven, verse two of Isaiah, and the spirit, and this is speaking of Christ. This is describing Christ. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. Christ had. A, a duty to do the will of God. And that duty implies a fear of the Lord. Through fear comes obedience. Through ignorance comes punishment. 
if the fear of the Lord is not within us, then the wrath of the Lord is already upon us. As believers, the same Spirit that was in Christ, the same active, working Spirit that was in Christ is in us. The fear of the Lord is within us to obey, to give to God what belongs to God. The spirit of understanding and wisdom, although may be weak in some areas, we are not lost. We are far from lost. We are taught what is right. We are told to do what is right. In Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13, the second to last verse. Let us hear the end of all. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of men. For God will bring every work into judgment and with every secret thing, whether it is good or evil. The, the stories we reviewed about the Israelites and how they acted up, whether it was self-righteous because they were thinking about what they were doing or was giving credit to a golden calf for getting them out of Egyptian slavery or complaining that God's way wasn't Necessary that the way God was treating them was unfair. We all, we all fall into that trap to some degree. And the, the Israelites were God's chosen people. I mean, um, envision the separating the wheat from the tares, the church, those within the church. I mean, these were these were the church. This was the church, and. They faltered. And when we fall into these traps, get out. There are a lot of songs and incredibly lacking, encouraging songs that speak quite highly of mistakes and they boast in their mistakes and sometimes God suffers patiently with them and sometimes the mistakes catch up quite quickly and before you become an unjust complainer before you start putting your trust and reassurance in how you're acting, before you start to fear something so much that it stops you from doing what is right, quickly fix it. Um, I went to Kansas City 
there there's a there's a shelter there for women and children and it, it was once a year we went up to Kansas City to walk around the neighborhood and that I never met the best better grandparents ever walking these neighborhoods I did not see parents but I saw grandparents and children and every few blocks you'd find this one house that said beware of dog now you have every right to be afraid of a dog but if that fear of a dog is stopping you from doing what's right fix it grab a hot dog as a backup plan the the fear you give to something the love you give to a pet all of those are done in degrees you do have a certain love for your pets you do have a certain fear of animals you do have a sense of obligation to your job but if those duties are stopping you from doing what's right from putting your love in a God that never fails, from putting your fear in a God that trains, from putting your trust and confidence in God, then fix it as quickly as possible. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds for us. And you do not want to stand before a righteous God whose wrath can be kindled quite easily and have to explain yourself. There once was a story of an old woman who still lived at home by herself, but she had finally reached an age where she could no longer drive safely. So she put an ad in the paper, and drivers wanted, please come by for interview. So, of course, three men come by, and she's interviewing, and eventually she asks one, well, let's say we're driving down a road, and a side of the road has fallen off has collapsed into a creek how close could you come to it and still be safe how close could you drive and the first man will say oh I could come within 10 feet we'd still be safe she said okay she asked the next person said well well, how close could you come and still be safe she said oh I could come within a foot and we'd still be safe I'm a good driver she shook her head and a third man came up and she asked him how close would you come and he simply responded by saying I would find a different path he wanted to stay as far away from danger as possible that shows a heart it's not how close you can come or go to the edge without crossing the line it's how far away you can stay from the line to begin with and that's what the fear of the Lord is supposed to do that's what the law of God is supposed to be pushing you away it tells you what's right it implies what's wrong or tells you what's wrong and it pushes you away and when you cross the line it pushes you away to Christ 
The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Do not be bold in yourself. 